Thank you, Monty, and thank you, Steve, for those thoughts. I appreciate that so much. Uh, we're going to get right into the text, so I hope you've got your Bible with you and that you will open it up. Uh, we're going to be spending our entire time in Psalm 122. As Monty said, we're part of a, this is part of a series which we call Lift Up Your Head. It's from the Psalms of Ascent, these traveling songs that were sung by pilgrim disciples as they were headed up to worship God. And we are in Psalm 122 today, and this is a, a gathering song. This is a song about worship. This is a song that is sung when you are walking, when the pilgrims were walking towards Jerusalem, and their heart had such this, this strong desire to gather together with God's people. And I kind of think that if there was ever a time that we would be reading this psalm and really be able to identify with the psalmist, it would be now. Because it hasn't been really easy for us to gather. I saw this cartoon and uh, kind of spoke to me, and it uh, says that the, the, the church building is closed and says, you can find us here. And, and that's kind of, you, you kind of have to laugh at it, because other than that, you'd, you'd cry because really this is not what church is about, not online, not with screens. And we're all longing for a time when we can get back together and, and we can hug without a mask, when we can see each other face to face, when we can pack everybody in here. We are longing for a time when we can gather together and all just sit around and visit and share a fellowship meal together. This is what we're longing for. And I think that as we study Psalm 122, we can identify with this more than ever before. So in verse 1, the psalmist says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. I was glad. They said, it's time for us to go. We're going to Jerusalem. And the reaction was, oh my goodness, I've been waiting all year for this. It was one of the feasts or festival times, perhaps, that they were going there. And the psalmist's words were so dear to the heart of the traveler. So this is a psalm of someone who loves going to church. They're glad to be able to go. And then the second uh, verse says, And now here we are, stand gates, O Jerusalem. If you look at the Hebrew of this particular verse, it's actually in the past tense. And so in my my thought is, is that as the traveler is headed there, the traveler begins to envision times in the past when they've actually completed the journey and they've walked into the gates of the city of Jerusalem and they see the crowds of people that are gathered there to worship and, and they're longing to reach that again. This is, this is the motivation for their journey. This is what they're intending to to experience when they get there. It gives them the drive to keep on uh, walking. And so as we go into this worship psalm, I, I, I like the words of Eugene Peterson in his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. He kind of puts it in perspective. He says, it is a psalm of worship and a demonstration of what people of faith everywhere always do. 
gather to an assigned place and worship their God. As Christians, we must decide to worship God faithfully and devoutly. It's one of the important acts in the life of discipleship. So there are four reasons that the psalmist gives why he wants to go to church. And so you might want to write these down. We're going to go through them pretty quickly. It might be that sometime you're kind of saying, you know, I think I'm not going to go today. I'm going to skip out or whatever. Uh, This might be something that you can go back to and just remind yourself, why does the psalmist think that it's important to gather for worship? Well, first of all, he says that gathering for worship reorients my heart. And it gives me a structure for living as God intended. Notice what he says there in verse 3. He says, Jerusalem is a well-built city. Its seamless walls cannot be breached. I depend again on the words of Eugene Peterson in his book. He writes this. He says, the city, the Jerusalem, the city itself was a kind of architectural metaphor for what worship is. All the pieces of masonry fit compactly. All the building stones fit harmoniously. There were no loose stones, no leftover places, no awkward gaps in the walls or the towers. The psalmist is walking, he's thinking about Jerusalem, and he's saying everything fits. It all fits just right. And he says, this is exactly what I long for in my life. You see, when we gather together, we help each other remember some key foundational stones that are part of our walk. We remember who God is, that God is our creator, that God is our helper. We remember what God has done. We remember how we are a part of it. Now, you take these component parts and you mix them up and life gets all confusing. It doesn't work out very well for us. You see, in Genesis 1 and 2, if you go back to the creation, you can see that that God created man and woman, Adam and Eve, to walk harmoniously side by side together in, in intimate relationship with God. That God was the creator and Adam and Eve, man and woman, were the created beings and they were longing for the time to be there with God. But in Genesis 3, we see that, that the evil one shows up and messes this order up. Satan says, you know, God doesn't want you to eat of that tree. Because if you do, you will be like God. And then we begin to think, Oh, maybe God's holding something back from me. Maybe I know what I need for myself better than the creator God knows for myself. And so that's where it all began to unravel. And the structure that God intended for us to have in our walk of life uh, together was all disrupted. And so when we come together, we intentionally put our eyes back on God. God is our creator. God is our provider. God is our sustainer. We're reminded of who God is and who we are. We are the created beings who have been created to worship. We're all created to worship, and we're going to worship something. 
and we were designed to worship God. I love what Augustine says. He said, Lord, you have made us for yourself, and we are restless until we find our rest in you. Number two in the psalm, we see that gatherings that were all one spiritual family. All the tribes of Israel, it says in verse 4, all the tribes of Israel, the Lord's people, make their pilgrimage here. In my Bible, I've, under, I've, I've circled the word all because it's easy to kind of read over that and to not uh, really catch the significance of that. But in reality, all the tribes coming together, they didn't all think alike. There were the 12 tribes, and each had their own culture, each had their own tradition, each had their own uh, particular food, each had their own uh, view of history. And it's interesting that these tribal groups are mentioned, especially when we look up at the top of this psalm. If you look in your Bible, it'll say that this is a psalm of David. David wrote this song before there was even a temple in Jerusalem. But people were going there to the mountain of God, the city of God, to be able to gather together to worship. And David, it must have been on his mind when he wrote this that it was important for all of the tribes to come together. Do you remember how when in, in the book of 2 Samuel, Saul and, Jonathan, uh, Saul and Jonathan, his son, were killed in a battle, and, and Israel put David up as their king. David was from the tribe of Judah. Saul and Jonathan were of the tribe of Benjamin. <clears throat> Out of tension because it was a shift of power. And now power was with David. And one of the first things that David did, if you remember in 2 Samuel 9, is that David sent his, a message to his, his, his uh, followers. He said, is there anyone who, can, who is from the, the house of Saul that we can show honor to? Normally when a king takes over, he wants to wipe out all the heirs of the previous dynasty. And so I can imagine when Mephibosheth, who was crippled, he was handicapped his, in his feet, when soldiers from David arrived at his house and said, David wants to see you, I can imagine that Mephibosheth thought that his time on earth was over. And so when he gets to David, he says, why do you have to do with me? I'm just like a, a stray dog. And David says, oh, no, I'm not going to treat you as my enemy. No, I want to adopt you as my son. I want you to live in the palace. I want you to eat from the king's table every day that you remain alive. You see, David wanted the tribes to come together in harmony. He saw each tribe as laying aside their separate identity for a much greater identity, the identity of the people of God. And so as we gather to fellowship, we commune, we have relationship with people that we wouldn't normally hang out with. We wouldn't normally be in the same room with. In fact, there may be some people in here 
that you don't really enjoy spending time with, just to be honest. They might even irritate you. But, but you lay all that aside because of the greater view that we are all part of the same family, the same family, the family of God. So in effect, David is saying in worship, all the different tribes function as one single people in harmonious relationship. But the third thing that David says here in this psalm is that gathering to worship refocuses my view so that I live with gratitude. We refocus and see God as our gracious provider, our creator, both of the physical blessings that we enjoy and the spiritual blessings that we enjoy. And it's really easy for us to take blessings for granted. It's easy for us to to live with a sense of of entitlement that kind of, well, I'm following God and so I expect everything in my life now to go well. But that's not going to happen. And when things that happen like that, when we expect life to be easy, to go just as we planned, and then tragedy or hardship comes our way, it's easy for Satan to have our ear. And Satan will whisper and say, you know, you're following that God, but God doesn't want the best for you. You know, you're following God, and maybe God's abandoned you. Maybe, Maybe God's trying to punish you. And it's easy for us to get disillusioned in the time of grief, in a time of tragedy, to, re- to, to think that God has abandoned us. And that's why we need each other. I think of, uh, when I think of this, the image that comes in my mind is of one athlete helping the other athlete as they're hurt, they're wounded. And, and the athlete that normally is a great athlete is... He has to depend on the shoulders and the legs of someone else. There are many times when I have had to depend on your faith. There are many times when I've had to lean on your shoulder. I've had to borrow your vision because mine is not clear. That's what the family of God does. We live with gratitude so that Satan doesn't have our ear and lead us away from God. This past summer, the ladies' ministry, Fish and Loaves, had the testimony of Haley Smith. And she did a fantastic job of, of articulating the powerful blessing that community is in our life. And so I've asked her if we could use that testimony. And so here it is right now. Let's listen to Haley. My name is Haley Smith. My husband Cody and I live here in College Station. We've been here about four years and we have a son named Eli. When Eli turned one years old, we found out that we were expecting our second son. We decided to buy a house. Life really couldn't have gotten any better. It was just an easy pregnancy, no concerns, no complications until about 35 weeks when um, there was one night where I just wasn't feeling much movement. We did an ultrasound, a doctor and the nurses came in, everyone was really concerned. 
The doctor basically told me that our baby was in severe distress. We were having a C-section right now. Our son was delivered. We found out we had a boy. We actually did not have a name picked out. My husband's favorite name was Jeremiah, but we just did not agree on a name until he was born. And, um, and we were in the NICU, and I, I remember looking over at Cody, and I told him, I said, his name should be Jeremiah. That morning, around 7 a.m., uh, he just kept trying to, um, just trying to go. The nurses put him on my chest, and we just, we got to hold him for the first time. My dad just laid his hands on us and just said the most beautiful prayer. And it was just one of those moments you never want to experience, but at the same time, like, just handing over your, your child to his maker. It was just beautiful at the same time. that Jeremiah was born, um, we had somebody reach out to us and sent us this verse from the book of Jeremiah, and it's Jeremiah 1, verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, you were set apart, and that verse was just such a comfort to me, especially that week, just knowing that our son was set apart. He was chosen for glory. We were chosen as his parents. That is our son's verse. That first week, I mean, there's just so much that started to come together um, that really brought us a lot of comfort and a lot of hope. My dad came to me and he said, um, Haley, you know, we're gonna need a place to go after, after the funeral. And at the time, we weren't members of a church. Um, we had been visiting uh, the A&M Church of Christ, and we just hadn't, we hadn't made an effort to get plugged in. One individual at the church knew our names, had added me on Facebook. So when my dad asked me a question, I told him, I said, well, I mean, you can call the A&M Church. I mean, surely they have a room or something, somewhere we can go. And when he called, somebody that answered the phone said, it's already been planned. And we never even had to ask. And we just already felt like we had a church home. I remember just being woken up in the middle of the night having the Lord whisper in my ear, just reminding me of His truth, of His scriptures, um, of His, and um, I was able to, to share that with my family. I was able to share that with my husband and encourage him, and even my parents. Um, they would just look at me and, and ask me, you don't, why are you being so strong? You don't have to be so strong. And I would just tell them, it's, it's not me, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. It just amazes me how in the fire, 
and the darkness that I was just able to cling to God's Word and the light. This year, just weeks after sweet Jeremiah's first heavenly birthday, we found out that we are expecting. And I'm currently 20 weeks along with a healthy baby girl. There were days, months, where I truly, I truly believe that we would never have joy again, that we would never be happy again. We lost a child and we would never find joy. And we have. And we have a lot of joy and happiness in our family. And we know that we will be with our son again someday. God is good before our loss and God is still good and we just try to cling to his promises of heaven and eternity together. When I called Haley and Cody and asked if they would be willing to share their story if we could use the video, they said yes. And when we began to talk I said, is there any way that you could do an update for us? Because you kind of left us hanging. We haven't seen you in so long. Could you share an update for us? And they graciously agreed to do so. And so this is them just from a day or so ago. you to little Hannah. She came to us on October 23rd and she has been the sweetest addition to our family. We are just incredibly thankful for her and Eli has been such a great big brother and a, a wonderful helper to us. Our family's doing well. We actually just celebrated Jeremiah's second birthday in heaven and this year we had a really special day. We asked all of our friends and family to join us by participating and doing random acts of kindness and it was just an incredibly special day um, just hearing what other people did and um, just really honoring him on his birthday um one of the things you know that we took from this obviously tragedy worst time of our life but the one good thing I for sure did get out of it was the community from the church and other fellow Christians and the thing that I'd like to encourage anyone to remember is that during a time like we had um, all the people continually checking in throughout the past two years not just the first two or three months has been uh, tremendous for all of us and you know people showing up at the door text messages phone calls whatever it may be um, all that's done honestly wonders for us and it's been a real encouragement and it's also helped me and i know Haley as well you know share that empathy towards others during their hard times and that's just 
I like to encourage everyone to do that because it, I don't know where we'd be without that family structure that we have through fellow Christians in the church. Yeah, we're just incredibly thankful for community. And I think that during these times, we all know somebody that's going through a difficult time right now. And uh, so we just want to ask you for your continual prayers of strength. Um, you know, our, our loss and our suffering is definitely not linear. Um, this is, it's forever. And um, we just ask that you'll just continue to pray for us for strength and um we hope that everyone stays well. I want to say thank you to Cody and to Haley for being willing to share that story. It's a powerful, powerful message. And it's one that many of you have told me during times of hardship as well, that you've, you've looked in my eyes and you say, Kelly, I don't know how anyone who doesn't have a church family makes it through a time like this. You see, walking together on this journey as a community of faith is, is vital. And so, um, thank you for sharing, Cody and Haley. The last thing that we see in this psalm, reasons why worshiping together is so important, is that it renews my purpose for living as I seek the flourishing of others. The psalm ends by realizing that worshiping as a community of faith helps me take my eyes off of my needs and my wants and my preferences, and it looks to bless others. And we begin to pray for others. We begin to want what's best for others. If you look there, starting in verse 6, pray for peace. In Jerusalem, peace has to take place between two parties. May all who love this city prosper. Oh, Jerusalem, may there be peace within your walls. And he says, for the sake of my family and my friends, may you have peace. I will seek what is best for you, oh, Jerusalem. You see, God uses the coming together of a church family to help me die to myself, to help me realize that this isn't all about me and my wants, my desires, and my comfort zones, my opinions, but it's more about what can I do to make it so that your faith is flourishing, that you are growing in your relationship with God. It's so easy for us to be self-centered, but God calls us to live a life of purpose in serving and living for others. So David sings this song, this song of worship, this song of ascent, and it's resonated in the hearts of people for thousands of years when he says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. You know, we can read this psalm now and through our perspective, the perspective that we have as those of who know Jesus, we know that this is possible because Jesus is the way. Jesus is the life. Jesus is... Jesus is also king. Jesus is a king like no other king. It's a king that didn't act like a king. In the words of Paul in the letter to the, 
to the church at Philippi, he says, speaking of Jesus, though he was God, Jesus didn't hold on to his divine privilege. He took on our sin so that we could receive his status, his privilege. So it was like this, this conversation going on in heaven. I kind of thought of this as I was working through this passage uh, for this week. This conversation in heaven where someone says, is there anyone on earth from the house, from the house of Adam to whom we can show favor? And the answer comes, well, I've got some people. And there's some people who who are handicapped by sin, and they, they look at themselves with self-loathing. And God says, oh, I don't want to destroy them. I want to adopt them. And King Jesus says, you tell them that there will always be a place at my table, and I will do whatever it takes to make that so. During the singing of this next song, I'm going to walk out, I'm going to go to the prayer room, and it may be that you've come in with a burden that you'd like to, to have some prayer over. It may be that you'd like to know more about Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. It may be that you'd like to know more about the, the role of baptism in his name and what that means. If you have any desire to continue this conversation, I hope that you'll walk out with me and we can meet together there in the prayer room there in the Welcome Center, and we can talk more and make this passage come to life in your life as well.